0: And I want to talk to you about something that uh, has to do with some people's belief about God. And this scripture, they, they feel substantiates their belief in what they believe about God. And it's the belief that, that God is three. Three is the, is the belief in the Trinity. Uh, I do not believe in the Trinity. The word Trinity is not even in the Bible and uh, it is a concept that is, in, that is believed by much of Christendom, as they call it, Christianity. It's believed by them, but I'm going to show you here tonight where that sort of came from and so forth. And also what this scripture here refers to and then the depth involved in this because there's a beautiful depth here of what God is doing with us for us and through us in this generation that we're living in now even. So I want to talk to you here a little bit about the number one. number one, the image of God. if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. This is the very first chapter of Genesis, Genesis: 126. And uh, this is the Lord saying that he made this, He made that. And uh, he spoke all these things into existence. And then it says here on the 26th verse, and God said, and this is what we're looking at here in Genesis 126, the very very first scripture that we have up here, the image of God. Genesis 126, and God said, let us make man. Now notice the word us here, that's plural. Let us make man in our, that's plural, image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the things and things of the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And I want to put my emphasis here where he says and God said let us make man. Now who are the us? Now... The Trinitarians say, they say that this is what that is referring to. Let me draw you a picture of what they say. And I did a lot of debating on this whenever I was a young guy. Because that's what young guys like to do, I think, is is talk about all those things. They would say, and let me turn this like this. They would say that God the Father, and there's God the Son, and then there's God the Holy Ghost. I'm abbreviating all of these. These are letters. And they were saying that God is three spirits. And that God said, the Father said to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Now, before I go any further, let me just point out to you here that God is a spirit. Now, go to John. This is is the next one here I want you to see for a moment. If you go here to uh, A... The concept of the Trinity, the doctrine and the definition of the Trinity were three God separate persons. And in John 4.24, let me jump there real quick. John 4.24. And it simply says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But see, when God made man, man was made spirit, soul, and body. Man has a body, soul, and spirit. When God said, let us, and if he was talking one spirit to another spirit, as I was saying here, if this was the case, as the Trinitarians say, that it was the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost speaking to you, said, let us make man in our image, then man would have been made a spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's just common sense that that's the way it would have been. So he said, let us, said, let us make man here. Now... Uh, because of that, and the reason they say that is because of the concept of the Trinity doctrine itself. The Trinity doctrine says that God is three persons and three separate and distinct persons. Now, uh, let me give you a little background here. The, The Trinity doctrine was established in 325 AD at the Nicene Council. The Nicene Council was a council that Constantine the Emperor of Rome who had been converted to Christianity called all the Christian leaders of the then known world together and they came to Constantine which is Constantinople which is today Istanbul, Istanbul, Turkey but it was on the Greek side of it across the the channel there and uh, they went there and they hammered out there were 318 of these religious leaders. They were called religious church fathers. And they tried to hammer out something that they could all agree on. There was such division among them. The apostles had all passed away. The early church, that generation had passed away. That was all in the first century. Uh, in fact, John was the last apostle to died. He died in about 90, I think in about 96, 90, about 96, 98 AD. And then after that, these new leaders begin to come on board. Now you can read about all of this in church history, but it's it's in there, it's very plain. Uh, I have volumes and volumes of church history book and I've read just about everything in all of them. And I can tell you this, that many of those church leaders studied Greek philosophy, Along with their Christian teachings, and they begin to adopt Christ, Greek philosophy into their Christian faith and their Christian doctrines, and they begin to do that. Clements was one of them. He was raised—he uh, was raised a Christian, so-called—but his father wanted to encourage him to study Greek philosophy, so he began to study all of those things. And Aristobulus uh, and. Arch, 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 Archelaus and all the others. I won't get into all the names of the Greek philosophers, but they began to study their philosophies. And then the next thing you know, they began to try to interwove that together. So they came with the idea that God is one, but He is one in unity, but there's three separate and distinct persons involved. Three separate distinct persons. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And when Genesis 126 here records, let us make man, that's proof that God was three. That he said, you know, to them. So this is how the Trinity doctrine came to be established in 325 AD and finally time passed on. And they, 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 what they did, they adopted at the 325 AD, Nicaea Council, they adopted a creed that had been put together They call it Athanasius. Athanasius was a church leader from Syria. And Athanasius had a creed in his church. And he says, this is what we go by. And they said, we like that. So they all adopted his creed. And it was a creed that spelled out the Trinity. Now, it later became known as the Trinitarian Creed, but it was called the Athanasius Creed for a long time. And, uh, this is a, a little bit about this is about what it says. Uh, years ago, up in, up in uh, St. August, St. Augustine, Florida, there is an, was an old uh, episcopal church I think it's an Episcopal church. I can't remember what denomination is immaterial. An old church there on that old street where that was the oldest city in, in America, you know that. And I went into that church and they had the Nicene Creed and they had that uh, creed on the, on the wall, Trinitarian Creed. And they came to be called the people of the creed, not Christianity, not the people of God, but the people of the creed. Now here's what the creed says about the Trinity. It has a lot to say about a lot of other things, but this is what it says about the Trinity. There are three separate and distinct persons in the Godhead. Look, notice that. Three separate and distinct persons in the Godhead. This is the Trinity doctrine. Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. Never was there a time that one was before the other. Never shall there be a time that one shall be after the other. There is no place that one is that the other is not. There is one, there is nor is one greater than the other. Neither is there anything known to one that is not also known to the other. The Holy Trinity is equally omnipresent, omnipotent means all power and omniscient means all knowing. Omnipresent means everywhere. So the uh, the Holy Trinity, this is their words now, is equally omnipresent, uh, uh, omnipotent and omniscient. Now, I'm just giving you sort of an overhead here. I've written some things about it, and I've got notes and a glower on it and everything like that, and I'm not getting into that tonight. But I'm just saying here, this is how the Trinity thing came along, and then they began to try to substantiate that. When the apostolics or the oneness who said Jesus Christ was Almighty God, they denounced them. They denounced them and pushed them back in a corner, and they became Obscure. And so this Trinitarian concept went on, it spread and it went all over Europe and it divided into the Eastern and the Western side. The Eastern became the Orthodox church and the Western became the Roman Catholic church. And then later on the Protestant movement came out of of, uh, mostly the, the Roman Catholic church side of it. Now, I'm not getting into all of that. I am just saying that this is how all of that began so that the Trinitarians would use Genesis one twenty six and say that this is what this means. I'm gonna read it to you again. Genesis one twenty six, and God said, let us, they said, see the word said us, so that's two. There's more than one. There's gotta be three. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion and so forth. And of course, if that was the case, if that was the case, then Adam would have been made a spirit, because God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So Adam would have been made a spirit, but Adam was made a body, soul, and spirit. Let me give you a verse of scripture for that. Uh, look in First Thessalonians 5:23. Look at First Thessalonians 5:23. I'll come back to uh, B here in a minute. First Thessalonians 5:23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what man is made up of. Man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. Now, before I go any further, we've been talking about how the the Trinitarians are trying to establish from the Word of God Genesis 126, that verse, that verse in particular here as we're looking at it right now, as a proof that God is three or God is a trinity or that God is a plurality. Now, let me give you some scripture here, and I want you to go back to B here for a moment. I'm going to show you some things. Look at B here. Look at Isaiah three ten. Before I go any further, look at these verses of scripture. Then we get back into other parts of their argument and so forth. Look at Isaiah forty-three and uh, and verse ten. All right, let me get my notes here. Now look at ten and eleven here. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand. That I am he, before me there was no God formed. This is God now speaking to Israel through Isaiah, the prophet. There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. In other words, this is God Almighty, the God who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. This is that same God. The God that says, I, what is your name? He said, my name is I am. I am, I am here, I am there. I am this, I am that. Uh, I am now, I shall always be. I am, period. Now, going a little bit further here, uh, looking also in that, uh, you go, 43. go to verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Notice that. Look at 44, 6. 44, 6. Thus saith the Lord, the king of Israel, and his redeemer, that is Israel's redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Now, if you have your Bibles, and you can keep up with me on this, or you write them, I don't know Make note of this, underline these statements because this is very powerful. Look at verse eight. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you, told you from, the, uh, that, from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. This is God declaring that he is but one God. Look at verse 24, in forty-four twenty-four. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, alone, by myself. In other words, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. This is what he says here now in this 24th verse in chapter 44. Look at 45, 5, 45, 5 and 6. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee through those that has not known me. Verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. This is Isaiah talking here about how the Lord is declaring himself to be. Well, look at forty-five, eighteen. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He that established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. Notice here what God is saying. He's making himself to be just one God here. Look at verse uh, 21. Verse 21. Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Verse 22 look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else and what we have looked at is just a few chapters here in Isaiah where God says I am one God I'm establishing this before I get more into this factor about the Trinitarian doctrine and and thoughts about this but he says says, I am one God and there is none beside me now uh, look at I, there's others. Deuteronomy 6 4. Uh, it's not in your notes there. Just look at Deuteronomy 6 4 uh, for an example here. And uh, Deuteronomy 6 4. All right. Well, if that's putting too much of a burden on you, I won't have you do that. All right. Let's move on. All right. Uh, let's get back here to our notes here. But Deuteronomy 6, 4, Deuteronomy uh, 4, uh, 15 and, and, and 19. Those scriptures all say the same thing. It's, in other words, other places in the Bible you can find where it says, Here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. There is none other. Everybody stay with me? All right. Now, I want to go back to see here why this can't be a Trinitarian doctrine. John four twenty four, God is a spirit, not spirits. So God is a spirit. We talked about that. And uh, Adam was made body, soul, and spirit, part two. Number three, look in Romans 5.14. Here's your answer right here. Look at Romans 5.14. I'm back on track here now. Praise God. Nevertheless, death reigned reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. The emphasis being Adam here now over Adam's transgression, who, Adam, is the figure of him that was to come. Now, stop and think about it a little bit. Adam was, if he was made in the image, God's image, what was that image? Now, stay with me here. You, and listen, put on, your, put on your bonnet, hang on to your hat, get your both feet in. I've got some good things to give you here. You don't want to miss what I'm fixing to give you out, give to you right now. But Jesus Christ was the image by which God made all things. God made all things by Jesus Christ, even though Jesus Christ did not, had not yet been born and was not yet on this earth. How could God do that? Because he's God, because he knows the end from the beginning, because he can see all things, know all things. And before he ever made Adam in his mind in his thought, He conceived that there would be Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you scripture for all this in a moment. Scriptures, not just a scripture. He conceived that there would be Jesus Christ and that all things would be made by him. Now, let me go here a little bit further here with you. Because this is a very important thing that I want you to understand here about how that the Lord made out. I'm going to give you another picture here. You like pictures? You like these little Drawings here. Let me give you this one. I'll lay that one here. Get my trusty little pen out. Try not to bump this thing too bad. And here's a line. Let me move it up some here. God is a spirit. we will put G for God. God is a spirit. God made Adam in the beginning. And how he made Adam was that he looked forward 4,000 years to Jesus Christ. This is Jesus. And Adam, God looked forward, 4,000 years of Jesus Christ, and he made Adam after the image of him who was yet to come. That's what that Romans that we just got through, that scripture in Romans that we just got through reading there. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Adam, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was made in the image of Jesus Christ back there. So when the Lord said, let us make man, God, the spirit included the man Christ Jesus that was yet to be. And Adam was made in the image of Jesus who was yet to come. You say, brother Meyer, that's pretty thin. Hey, you ready? You, you're You with me now? Hang on. You, you, everybody stay with me? All right. I want you to... Uh, Look at this verse of scripture here. I'll give you some scriptures here. We're in verse four uh, from the beginning, the man Christ Jesus was the image from which all things were made. look at ephesians three nine ephesians three nine and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. What? Created all things by Jesus Christ. Let's go to Colossians 1, 15 and 17. Colossians Who is the image of the invisible God? Notice that God being invisible, Jesus Christ is the image. When God said, let us make man in our image, Jesus is the image. So here in Colossians 1.15, who is the image, speaking of Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn? Wait a minute. Jesus was born of Mary in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Wait a minute, what do you mean? Firstborn. In God's plan and design, Jesus was first. And he was called the firstborn. All right? Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of of every creature. For by him were all things created. Jesus was the pattern by which God made everything. (coughs) Let me say this. When the Lord made the earth, he made it to fit man. The air we breathe folks is just right for us. The water we drink is just right for us. Isn't it funny how all the chemicals in the air and yet it's just the right amount of oxygen that we need. And then there is the right amount of substance in the water. There's the right amount of substance in the ground to grow the food that we eat that grows out of the earth. And even the cattle that eat the food that grows out of the earth or the cattle, whatever they are, when we eat them, you know, that is also part of all of that. Praise the Lord was all part of God's divine plan. And Jesus Christ was the model for that, though he did not yet exist. But in God's plan, he did. In God's plan, he did. You say, Brother Myers, that's stretching. No, it isn't. That's scripture. I'm going to read it again here. I'm going to read it on down. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he, and notice for him, and he is before all things and by him all things exist. Now, not only was he the pattern by which all things was made, he was the creator by which all things was made because he is God in man. He was God in man on this earth, but he was God back there. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I know it. Boy, some of you. <laughs> I'm just trying to say here, folks, everything's in Jesus Christ. Everything's in Jesus, praise the Lord. when he came, praise the Lord, he came. That scripture in uh, Isaiah uh, four to six, is it? I think it, yeah, Isaiah four to six. Can't remember that nine, four to six, nine, eight, nine. I think it is. And this child is born unto a son is given and the uh, government should be on the show. I won't get into all that, but anyhow. This is just continuing on. Look at verse seventeen. He is before all things; by him all things exist and uh, consist. And so we know this by those scriptures that are here before us. Uh, look in, uh, look in Hebrews one, one three. Hebrew one three. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Hebrews one three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So Jesus Christ is the express image of the person of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, look at Second Corinthians four four. Second Corinthians four four. Everybody still with me? All right. In whom the gods of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, now Jesus is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm pointing out the fact that Jesus, when God said, let us make man in our image, he was speaking of Jesus Christ. The image of God. Praise the Lord. So Adam was made in the image of Jesus who was yet to come, just like Romans 5.14 stated that it would be. One other, let me give you another verse here in John. And this is the one that we'll sort of, we won't give you any more. There's other scriptures involved with this, but this is all I'm going to give you right now on this. Look at John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything was made by Him as the Creator, and all things were made by Him as the pattern. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 10 He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Praise God. Amen. All right. So I've just given you some scriptures here to let you know here That Jesus Christ was the image, the image of God in the altar. When he said, Let us make man in our image, he was looking forward 4,000 years and he made Adam, God in the Old Testament made Adam in the image of Jesus who was yet to come. Praise the Lord. So that it wasn't three people there talking to each other. He said, Let us make man in our image, otherwise, man would have been made a spirit because God is a spirit but it was God including Jesus Christ who was yet to come who was the image of God who would be now we're going a little bit further everybody still with me all right hang on go to the next one here part 2 what about let us make man us there's the word us wait a minute God made man after the image of Jesus. But what about when it says, let us make man? Now go back to that Genesis 126 again. Go back to that. And God said, let us make man. God and who else? Let us make man in our image. All right. I thought you'd never ask. Let me get in. I want you to follow me very closely here with this tonight. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go back here to Romans 5 and 14, where it talked about that Adam was made in the image of him who was yet to come. Everybody still with me? All right. Adam five 14, I'm going to read that again. And then we're going to go in the 15th verse. Nevertheless, death reigned over Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, that's Adam now, because Adam sinned and many be dead, in other words, death came because Adam sinned. We all know that, don't we? All right. But not as the offense, so also as a free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam being sinful, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. That is Jesus Christ. One man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many. So when God, I'm going to read some more here. This will all come clear for you here. So when God said, let us make man, he was including Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus. Let us make man because man's not complete yet. Because Adam sinned, all human races sin and men die. And the work's not through. It's not over with. God's still working on us. I remember when my children were young, they used to be a song they sang in Sunday school. Some of you may remember way back there, they, that God, God made sun, the moon and the stars. He made Jupiter, Venus and Mars, but he's still working on me. But he's still working on me. And this is what I'm bringing out here now with these scriptures is that God is still working on us. So when that scripture said, let us make man, it also included not only Jesus Christ as the example and the model and the pattern by which all things were made, but also that Jesus's very existence on this earth was working on us to make us, to complete us, to finish the work that we might have eternal life. Praise the Lord. You say, Brother Myers, that's stress it. No, it isn't. Hang on with you. You still with me? Now, we're here in Romans chapter 5. We just got through reading verses 15. Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned over one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. we was speaking about us if we walk with God and receive the grace of God. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, that's Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Are we getting it? Oh, I feel like maybe you're not. Are you getting it here that Jesus is still working on us? And he worked on us, praise the Lord, through what he did in his life and is being still extended to us. We'll get further into that in a few moments. Verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous, that's us. Verse 21, That as sin hath reigned unto death, Adam, even so my grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what I'm doing here is giving you some scriptures here to let you know that he's still working on us. Praise God. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Notice that. For since by man came death, that's Adam, by man came also, that man here now speaking of Jesus, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. That's the Jesus Christ. 22, for as in all Adam all die, even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. That is, if they are in Christ, in Christ, we've got to be in Christ to be made alive. Praise the Lord. Let me give you some more scriptures. Look in Romans 8, 11. 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, And notice that folks, it comes down to this. Do we have the spirit of God? We've got to have the spirit of God for the finished work of Jesus, amen, to be applied to our lives. Jesus went to Calvary. He suffered, he bled, he died, he paid the price that all men might be saved, but all men will not be saved because all men do not believe. But if we believe, praise the Lord, that faith is applied to our lives and the finished work of Christ is applied to our lives, praise the Lord, and the Lord begins to work on us and begins to help us in our walk with God. And one day the Lord's coming back for his people and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and meet them in the the air. Let me read this verse, chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now I'm going to that same chapter, chapter eight, and I'm looking at verse 16. The spirit itself speaketh witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, this is saying a lot here and I'm gonna tell you what it means here in a moment. Joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Just as Jesus died for all of our sins and he rose again, Praise the Lord, if there is the resurrection, so likewise are we joint heirs with Christ. So as he rose and he has a glorified body, so shall we have a glorified body. I'm saying he's still working on us. Do I have a glorified body? No. Do you have a glorified body? No. Because he's still working on us. He's still helping us. That's why you go through trials, you go through tests, you have difficulties, you have struggles. And, and sometimes the devil fights you and he gives you problems and your troubles and, and uh, you go to the Lord in prayer and you go to church and you worship God and you get through one thing and then maybe there's another one. And along the way, we keep growing in grace and strength and the presence and the power of Almighty God. And one day, one day, we'll rise to meet the Lord in the air. Now, some may go before the rapture comes. If that ends, many have gone before the rapture comes, but the dead shall rise. The dead shall rise in Christ, in Christ. Let me go ahead a little further. Look at the 19th verse. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited. That's the creature is the the flesh, the body. The earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Look at verse 21. Because the creature, that is the body itself, also shall be delivered. From the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth. In other words, all of God's creation groans. All mankind suffers in the flesh. And travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, not only the the world, but ourselves also. We got aches and pains. We suffer in the body. We've got heartaches. We have troubles. It doesn't mean that we're not saved. It means that we're going through some things. But one day we will have the glorified body like Jesus had when he go, when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And that's our pattern that we are following. And that's whom we'll be like. And He's still working on us to bring us. that place where we'll have a glorified body like as under his glorified body. He's still working on us. Praise the Lord. Working on me is a little song. Not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption. Folks, the adoption is to be adopted to the heavenly body out of this carnal body. The adoption is not to be adopted into the family of Israel some people think that's what this means it means the adoption into a glorified body the church is not to be adopted we are born again we are not adopted we are born again and the church was in God's plan way back in the very beginning of time it was not just an add on thought with God and so this is speaking about the adoption to heaven I'll read that 23rd verse again and not only they (coughs) excuse me That is the world, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, but we are waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now, let me move on here just a little bit further here. Praise God. Look at... uh, Philippians three and twenty. Philippians three twenty. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here right now. Where are we? Philippians three twenty. Wherever it is. For our conversion is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior the Lord Jesus. Now look at this very closely here. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Are you getting the picture? He's still working on us. He's still making us. We're we're not the finished product yet. You ever feel like sometime, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm saved as I want to be or like to be. Well god bless you the lord's still working on us praise the lord amen, amen. and his grace is sufficient for us so who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glory according to the working thereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself praise the lord so i'm giving you some uh examples here some scriptures here concerning these things and uh All right, let's see here. Let me, let me get back to where I was. All right. Let me, I've only got just a few more verses here, and I'm through, folks. Look at 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You getting the picture? The Lord is working on us to give us a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. When God said, let us make man in our image, he was including man, us, to be like Jesus would be in the final stage of the man Christ Jesus. That is the resurrected and the glorified Christ. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he became glorified the Bible says he was brighter than the noonday sun when Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. Paul saw him and he was blinded by him. He's brighter. think of brighter than the noonday sun. Glorified Christ. He was, glor, he, was, he was glorified. So I'm just trying to say here that we do not yet know what we shall be, but we'll be like him. We'll have a body like us unto his glorious body. Folks, we cannot imagine. You cannot even begin to imagine What God has prepared for those who love him, who are faithful to him, who will walk with him, who will believe in him, who will trust in him. Praise the Lord. God has an awesome reward. Jesus Christ went through all of that mess at Calvary for us so that we can have a glorified body like he has a glorified body. He went through all of that for us. Praise the Lord. We, we, we had no rights even to do it. We, we, we were sinful. He knew no sin. He took upon himself all of our sins. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 42. I'm winding this up. So also, in the, is, so also is the resurrection of the dead It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. This is the dead now. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. That's what we're in now. And there is a spiritual body. Verse 48, as is the earthly That's what we are. Such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Hallelujah. And that's how we have this wonderful hope that we have. So when God said, let us make man in our image, not only was he making man the natural man after the image of Jesus who was yet to come who was Adam, but he's also making us to become the spiritual man that Jesus became whenever he rose from the dead in the last. Now, the resurrection has been something that has been believed for a long, long time in the Old Testament. I don't know whether you know it or not, but the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Jesus' time was the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. They were rascals in not a lot of other ways, but they, they, did, they did believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They said there is no resurrection. And they, they tried to trip Jesus up in words and Jesus could always throw off. He could always outdo them, and it, it, it always baffled them how you how could do it. But look at Job here. This is what Job says. I'm going to finish with this. Job 19.25 I'm right down here at the bottom now. He says, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another. His eyes are going to see the Lord, and it will not be somebody else, it'll be God, though my reigns be consumed within me. That was the words of Joe. I'm just giving you a couple of the old Testament. This is this is David now speaking in Psalms seventeen and fifteen. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. With thy likeness. When I awake with thy likeness. Well, some of us We'll not see the rapture, but some of us will. God is coming. Jesus is coming back soon, folks. He's coming back for our people that's looking for his soon coming. And we will have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. So when somebody says, oh, God is three, no, no, it's just one. Jesus Christ is almighty God. And he is also the pattern by which God made everything. And He is also the pattern by which he made man. And he's also the one that went to Calvary and shed his blood that we might be saved. And he's also the one that's now glorified that we shall have a body like as unto his glorified body. Has it been more than than you can handle or you say, Brother Myers, that's been okay. I I got it. (laughs) Let's stand together and give God the praise, would you? Let's thank him here tonight. Jesus, we love you so much. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the hope that we have, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price. Thank you, Lord, for brothers and sisters in the Lord that we all walk with this hope in our hearts. Looking unto you, Jesus, knowing that one day you're coming back and you're coming back soon for your people. We praise you for all things and we love you, Jesus, and glorify you. In thy precious name we pray. Amen. And I don't believe it's very far away, folks. The Lord's coming. That earthquake out in San Francisco was it yesterday or day before yesterday? That earthquake sort of, you know, reminded me that God's still sending earthquakes. The war over in the, over in over in Europe, all the troubles that's happening, and all the problems you read about, craziness going on in America. Praise the Lord. It's time for the Lord to come back. And I'm ready anytime He wants to. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Everybody shake hands, bump fists, or bump elbows. According to your choice. Amen.